All right, everybody, welcome back to uh, Off the Couch with the Psych Guys. Uh, my name is Tim, uh, as always here with Dr. Uh, Kazi Wukin. And um, today what we're talking about is what's a panic attack? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a great topic. I think a lot of people are having them, especially nowadays. It seems like COVID is again returning. So I think that might be triggered for a lot of people. So I love the fact that you're bringing this up because I think if we can unpack it, I think that might be helpful for people to know what it is and ultimately what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. So so panic attacks, I mean, I, I guess we'll just get started in, in, in my explanation of them. Sure. Um, you know, first things first is they are, <laughs> as the name implies, they're, they're terrifying. Right. Right. Um, an overwhelming sense of panic, right, where, where people are truly under the belief that they're going to die. Right. We have all of these physical symptoms all of these all of these mental symptoms these, these these cognitive symptoms and they all kind of come and they collide um and they and they mimic really like a life or death scenario wow. most people they say that they feel like they're having a heart attack right people call 911 they rush to the emergency room truly believing that they're dying mm -hmm. they go to the emergency room they get checked they're a-okay <laughs> and then they say this was just a panic attack and then people usually get referred over to people like us for sure and and really they're just so confused they're like how how in the world could this possibly be just a panic attack? I was truly convinced I was going to die. I, I hear you. And it's it's funny that you say that because it's very common when people call in to say, I went to the emergency room and then the physician said, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a panic attack. They do throw in it's just a panic attack because I feel that when people are calling in, that's kind of how they feel about themselves. Like in a way, that was an you know, very difficult experience. Well, the message is like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a panic attack. Go talk to somebody about it, right? Like just like this idea that a lot of, you know, whatever physician may not be fully aware of how it might be, how people in that state could be impressionable, right? Mm -hmm. And how much now they feel bad about the fact that they had panic attack because they're not really having a heart attack, right? So when they're calling in, there's just an added layer. So I just wanted to highlight that because it's a common way people call in. Completely, right? And and what's what's super important to anyone either dealing with panic attacks mm -hmm. or know someone who's dealing with panic attacks, these symptoms are real, right? Like to the person, like the, the right. person themselves is truly convinced that they're dying. Right. And I'm not sure if you've ever been in a life or death situation or if you ever really thought or knew right. that you were going to die. But I guess just, you know, everyone like put yourself in those shoes real quick so you can kind of understand what it's actually like for people. Right, right, um, for sure, for sure. And it seems like we, we have a, a, a cool sort of uh, model up on the screen there of how it actually works. So I think what you're talking about is, is the first thing that the physical arousal, people are beginning to notice, mm -hmm. notice some physical sensation or sensations that are starting to come up for them. And now they're beginning to hyper-focus on what that means. Exactly, right? So, so the way I explain it to people so often is, you know, anxiety creates so many physical symptoms, which are very normal. Right. And then what, once we notice a physical symptom and then we start to hyper focus, like you said on it, that's a lot of the time where it all kicks off. Right. So, for example, like if I notice that my heart is racing a little bit and I'm really focusing on it, right. that's step one right. here on our, on right. our exactly. chart here. Right. Exactly. And then it goes to and I guess I'll take number two catastrophic interpretations. I'm going I'm going crazy. I'm right. dying. I'm losing control. All of that sort of stuff. Right. So so we notice that physical symptom and then we have that catastrophizing of right. it where we have a belief that it's far more intense than what it actually is. Exactly. And that's I think is it's really where the panic attack really begins. Right. Because we're taking physical sensations mm -hmm. that might happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we're hyper focusing. And in that moment, catastrophic is just another way of saying negative. It's just mm -hmm. another way of saying 
big negative interpretation of something that may uh, not necessarily be that, right? But for the person in that moment, they're beginning to think, oh my God, I have heart palpitations, meaning that you can feel your heart. And then that, that must mean something very, very bad. Yep. And I think that's such an important concept to think about. It's not a lot of people call in and they say, well, I just have panic attacks. And that's kind of what my physical symptoms are like. And I always try to gently introduce this idea that it's really not the idea that you have the physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. It's not the heart palpitation. It's not the sweaty palms. It's not the lightheadedness. It's not necessarily any or GI concern. It's not that. It's that plus how you interpret it that situation, right? Obviously, the caveat here, you do need to get oftentimes get checked out, let's say by a GI, a cardiologist to mm. rule out any medical issues. So that's obviously kind of putting that out there to make sure that people are aware. But once you get cleared, and those symptoms persist, that is where the panic attack really starts. It's physical sensations that are part of everyday life, and how a person sees them in a very, very negative bad way. Yep. And I love that term catastrophic interpretation or misinterpretation right i say a lot right oh that's a good one right that's a good one um and then we have oh i can't even read that here so i'm pulling it up here i think it's like hypervigilance right so you're beginning to notice hypervigilance right it's good to be vigilant right of things hypervigilance just extra vigilant right me another way of saying it just to kind of simplify it a little, just maybe unnecessarily Mm -hmm. looking for issues, right? Like that's just another way to translate this idea. We have physical sensations. There's some sort of a negative way to see it. And then there's hyper-focusing, putting more attention to it. And as you can imagine, if you're focusing with stress and anxiety on something, your body, and you talk a lot about it, how our bodies respond to when we're stressed. Yep. So it adds to the heart palpitations or the GI issues or the sweating or the nervousness or whatever the case may be. So as you, hopefully as you guys begin to notice, it just begins to be a loop, a cycle, uh, a way to amp oneself up. Mm -hmm. And you can sort of almost like see a panic attack forming here, right? We have some physical arousal. We have a really bad catastrophic misinterpretation. And we're being hyper vigilant and we're hyper focused leading to next point. Right. Just arousal, right. just just general, general, generally, right. just far more aroused and and basically ramped up. In right. my own words, I'm going to make a poor joke. This isn't aroused oh, yeah, in a way that. that most people may be thinking about it. <laughs> this is an aroused, just a physical amping up of your system where people feel uh, heart palpitations, sweaty palms, things like that. So just to, <laughs> just to be clear, not the cool kind of arousal. yeah, not the cool kind this of arousal. Kind of this is like stressed anxious, oh my God, something is happening that's really, really bad. Uh, and I don't, most importantly, my favorite one, it's, yes, it's it's the misinterpretation of dying, but it's like, I'm losing control. A lot of people say, and I don't know how to stop it, right? Because it feels so put upon. It feels oh, yeah. like it's happening to you. And, and as we get to the treatment part, we'll notice that it's not necessarily happening to you. We have to think about your cognitive or your your mental ways of how you see it. And that's mm -hmm. one part of how we begin to deconstruct it. Awesome, absolutely. Next year, false alarms. Right, so I'm dying, something's terribly wrong with me, blah, 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 blah. And then I think we could just kind of sure. follow it from here. We have a big false alarms, then we have panic. There's something terribly wrong. Right. 
right? Right. Because it's a buildup, right? Like the way I like this diagram, because it's a buildup, right? Once you get to panic, it's like, oh my God, maybe a lot of people describe, oh, maybe it'll go away. Or maybe if I could just take a deep breath. Or maybe if I could just, right? Like, and, and then the, the, the building, the building is where people are trying to do something about it. Unfortunately, oftentimes it doesn't work because they're looking how to solve the problem from a negative lens, which obviously only makes it worse. Panic, the reason why it kind of stands out there is because in that moment, the person says, oh shit, Something is really bad happening and I don't know how to stop it. I'm dying, I'm having a heart attack. Something is happening and now I gave up, right? I, I like to say I gave up because I don't know what to do and now I'm freaking out. Yep, and there we are. And then, and then if, if we're looking at this diagram, it, it gets a little complicated right. down here. I don't right. think we're gonna be able yeah. to explain every single, <laughs> right. every, sure. every single line here. But I guess if, if, if I'm gonna pull, pull a, few, a few good things about this, well, which one stands out to you? Two things. <clears throat> um, anticipatory anxiety mm -hmm. and avoidance. Sure. Right? So I guess I'll just kind of pull those two and I'll just talk about them sort sure. of briefly. Um, after a panic attack, we want to avoid it at all costs. Right. And, 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 and that's true for every anxiety, really. Uh, the fight, flight, freeze response, flight, avoid. There's, there's a lot of avoidance behaviors that go along into mm -hmm. this, which... I'm not going to get into, but over time, avoidance leads to increased anxiety. And so we have avoidance and also the anticipatory anxiety, anticipatory anxiety. Um, yeah. So a lot of times people are anxious about being anxious. <laughs> they're, they're, they're worried about being worried. Right. And after panic attacks, people usually coming into our office are in some sort of like avoidance and anticipatory anxiety sort of state. Right which is just really just perfect breeding ground for sure. another panic attack. 100%, uh, and I'm gonna pull out the, I guess the other two. The safety behaviors, what people do, right? Almost like when you're, you know, maybe when you're younger, you have like a transitional object that helps you feel mm. safe. Let's say when you have your first sleepover, people start doing these magical kind of safety behaviors. They do something or they bring something in the hopes of if they have it with them, then the panic attack won't happen. A lot of people nowadays, you know, go to their physician or psychiatrist and they get a prescription for Xanax mm -hmm. and they don't, they don't use it, but they have it in their pocket. And that's in a way like they're safe. And they even say it, it's like kind of like my safety thing. If something's bad, I will take it, right? In the grand scheme of things, in terms of uh, cognitive behavioral treatment, at least that's not necessarily the best thing. I understand in the moment that might be something that you want to do, but the idea of treatment would be how do we, uh, you know, minimize or eliminate that behavior? Because in a way, what you're telling yourself is that those symptoms uh, and that perception is so strong, I can't handle it myself. Mm -hmm. While the whole CBT treatment is about how to teach you how to be able to handle it yourself. Right. As you can hopefully tell, there's a little bit of uh, at odds with having Xanax versus what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so, so this, this model, I, I, I really like it. And, and I've, I've printed this out mm -hmm. hundreds of times sure. and, and I've given it to, to so many people and we've really been able to kind of like traverse through it. And, and, you know, in, in this model, it's, it's, it's really great to just have it all laid out here because most of the time people say, yep, yep, right. yep, yeah. yep. And we kind of go back to their panic attack from the week prior. And it makes a lot of sense, right. which is great. Right. But I guess really my question for that I'd like us to answer. So we have this sort of understanding of what a panic attack is, how it forms, how it builds. Sure. What do we do now? 
the second thing I always do after that, and you're right, like once you describe it in that way, a lot of people say, yep, that's exactly what happens. I actually like to do, so from just uh, psycho ed about it, I go into a little bit of assessment. I kind of print out a good amount of these and I give, next time you're having it, would you be able to write in exactly what's happening for you? Yeah. Right. Whatever the symptoms, whatever the uh, the cognitive distortion might be, maybe it's not this or maybe it is that. But to try to slow it down so that the person is actually able to start writing it. And I try to do it for a couple of weeks uh, just so that people kind of get used to this idea. I'm having a panic attack. This is how it goes. Uh, and here's how it actually goes for me, just so that we can extend the psycho ed and the assessment piece. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> I guess I'll say this too. Um, it makes a heck of a lot of sense in the office with right. people. Right. When right. we're nice and calm and relaxed, we right. can understand this stuff through with the front part of our brain. Right. Um, a lot of it, it's always uh, probably a million times harder in the moment sure. when people are feeling panicked For sure. and anxious and they're reading this, this thing. So it it's it's really, really difficult, you know. So so I, I tell people to really like do their best to familiarize themselves. Right with the model so that way hopefully it's more accessible sure. as things start to rise right you know i always say to, to to catch it quickly is so important because this the these panic attacks they they really kind of fuel on themselves mm -hmm. we have these physical symptoms like rapid heart rate heart rate for example and then we uh you know catastrophize it and then we have right. more symptoms and then we're hyper focusing and it really turns into this very quickly moving, almost like tornado for sure into a panic attack for sure. And so I, I guess just some points are it sounds really simple here, way harder in real life for sure. Uh, we can put these symptoms out here and realize that they're just symptoms, but it truly feels like someone's about to die right when they're experiencing it. So it's so tough. Um, and really the best thing I think is to really get to know how a panic attack works, what it is. So you have your best chance at catching these things as they happen, relaxing your nervous system and changing those, you know, catastrophic belief or misinterpretations. For sure. And that For sure. Sort of stuff. I, I think that's absolutely true. One thing just which is coming to mind hearing your talk is that a lot of people also talk about uh, or ask questions about cued versus uncued mm -hmm. panic okay. attacks, because yeah. uh, I think one of my questions is when, when people follow along, they say, yes, that's true. We do a little bit of assessment. You know, some people uh, are more worried about uncued panic attacks, meaning that the panic attack can happen at any time. Yep. They could be sitting like this and having a panic attack or being on a bus and having a panic attack. Other ones are cued. They know, let's say if they go to the gym and they go in the treadmill and they feel the heart rate going, they know they're going to have a panic attack. Mm. Right. So I, I think that distinction versus knowing your trigger uh, gives them a little bit more control and a little bit more management of how to move forward with our sessions. If it's uncued, I, uh, which just another way of saying uh, not knowing when it's going to come up. Oftentimes, I notice that people have a harder time with that because, you know, everybody, we all like try to search for meaning. The first question is, well, why is that happening? Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting on the couch. Why is this happening to me? Right. So I just want to kind of highlight that point also, because treatment sometimes changes, too, because some people we need to start with, like just adjusting themselves to being OK with higher heart rate. Like uh, I sometimes do just walk up and down our stairs at the office, you know, mm -hmm. just to get the heart rate going. Right. Just so that you're, you're able to be learn how to be a little bit more OK when your body is aroused. Yep. In the not fun way. Not, not in the right way. <laughs> Okay, great. So, uh, listen, I, I hope that this was helpful for some people. Right. Uh, panic attacks, you know, they're scary. Um, they're awful. They're not fun. They're not great to deal with. Um, I'm hoping that people can kind of use this conversation right. to normalize a little bit, understand it a little bit more. Sure. Um, and if you're, 
if you're a person who is with someone having panic attacks, I hope that this, I don't know, explains it a little bit. So, sure. so, so there's a little bit more empathy for the person going through it because it is, it, it's rough stuff. Right. Cause the partner could always say like, I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. Like we're just sitting here, right? Like, so again, this idea of invalidation makes it just harder. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you're saying that because if you, if, if people are having them or know somebody they're having them, that might be just a good way to, uh, to see what it's like. I think what we should do, maybe one of our other podcasts is really expand on the, the treatment piece, maybe how, you know, hierarchy would work or exposure would work mm -hmm. just because give people like a better sense of how treatment might look like for something like this. But hopefully in this podcast, we talked about the psycho ed of how it works, the assessment of what you need to do and some kind of basic things that you may want to start uh, doing. But I think we, you know, you and I can expand a little bit more on the treatment thing in, in the, uh, you know, in the podcast to come. I think we should, then stay right. tuned for it. Right. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. Bye.